Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of Being Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Ben Bumhopper. How you doing, Ben? Hey, Ryan. I am doing absolutely fantastic because today is one of those incredible special days, and I am so glad to be here with you for it. It's true. We also have someone else here with us today, and that someone is the fantastic Adam Bradford. How are you doing, Adam? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. So uh, for those that don't know you, Adam, can you give us just a little, like, quick two-minute background on yourself, uh, just and what you're doing now and a little bit of your history? Yeah, so I was uh, born on a rather cold April. At, no, uh, so uh, we, <laughs> I'm an that, April that baby too. In, it won't <laughs> fit too. in two minutes. Whoa. Yeah, um, that that joke kills with my kids. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm Adam Bradford. I am currently the uh, vice president of tabletop at uh, Fandom, and uh, that is kind of a made up title to to say that uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I lead the creative direction and the vision setting for uh, what uh, we're doing in our tabletop division here at Fandom. And uh, I was the co-founder of D and D Beyond, uh, and kind of initially formed the team and, and pitched that internally, and then eventually to Wizards of the Coast. Uh, so uh, so been there from the beginning there. And most recently, we have started publishing some of our own games through our upcoming Cortex platform. And so we've got a couple of really exciting releases coming out uh, here this year with that. And uh, before that, I spent about a decade in the defense and aerospace industry. In, uh, I'm in Huntsville, Alabama, if you can't tell from the accent. But uh, <laughs> I, I've been here, you know, whole life, had the uh, opportunity to travel a good bit uh, because of my job, but uh, I was, uh, you know, working on defense and aerospace at an electronic manufacturing company and had the privilege of just kind of holding all of the different jobs. I think I started there as uh, someone who was buying office supplies and I revolutionized the company by being the first one to ever buy office supplies online. Um, <laughs> wow. They were, they were still using catalogs uh, in those days. Uh, and so uh, that uh, speaks to maybe how old I am. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, after that, they thought I was a technical wizard that I could use the internet. And uh, I used that uh, to, to kind of propel myself into, uh, you know, I ended up working in the supply chain uh, for purchasing. I ended up working uh, corporate quality uh, ended up eventually before I left there in their IT department and uh, managing, uh, you know, a team of project managers and, and that kind of thing. And so I just really got invaluable business experience and all the while was just avidly following and chasing after all of my various hobbies and interests. And, and little did I know that those hobbies and interests would kind of intersect with all of that business experience and knowledge that I was accumulating without kind of knowing it. And uh, then uh, this little uh, internet gaming company called Curse moved into my backyard. So they had their headquarters in Silicon Valley and then they moved to Huntsville and when that happened, I was kind of looking at my, I, I, I remember I was looking at in the mirror. I had just turned 32, no, 33 years old. And uh, I was looking and, and saying, you know, hey, you're not getting any younger. 
And I started asking the question, am I, do I see myself at this company until I retire? And that answer just kind of kept coming back as a no. And uh, I, I felt like I owed it to myself to say, you know, hey, I, I should go try to have some fun at a video gaming company. And I sent my resume in. They didn't have a role open, but then they uh, ended up opening one uh, after they saw I was interested. And uh, I joined in and I was, uh, I was actually a product manager for, strawpole.me initially um and so i don't know if you've used that before but it's just you know quick and easy uh you know polling website and uh i I was working on that but my soul wasn't in it and nobody on the team was really in it because um our our leadership at curse had uh this idea that it could become something like a social platform uh Mm -hmm. with polling and so it was about two months into my job that i saw that twitter released polls (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, so we're like, that's probably not a great direction for us to be going anymore. Um, and so um, at that point, I remember we were looking for ways to really branch out from uh, just kind of ad based business, which is what curse was uh, that we were going to show ads to people. And of course, uh, anyone who uses the internet kind of hates ads. And uh, so it was just, it's a, a business of attrition at this point. Adblock yeah. is, you know, the, the rates are so high. So we saw that, you know, revenue was dwindling and we were trying to figure out, you know, hey, how can we get into this industry buzzword of direct user monetization instead of showing ads to people? And of course, um, I, I started saying, hey, you know, there's this Dungeons and Dragons thing. And uh, they, they wanted to also get out of the video gaming space. And so I said, hey, this is out of that space it's not as crowded and then we also can actually sell a service to to, to people and they'll pay for it and they won't we don't have to just shove ads down their throat and so um i you know it it took it sounds a little bit easier than it was but you know it took a lot of uh, convincing and eventually the way that it finally happened was uh i just grabbed uh grabbed a few people. It just happened to be a back-end developer, a front-end developer, a design, you know, all the building blocks for, for a mm-hmm. team that you mm-hmm. might need. Mm-hmm. And I invited them all to play this uh, new to them game called D and D. Uh, and I remember uh, I really, really laid it on the line uh, that, that session. It was, you know, I was just at the top of my game and uh, I remember they were just hook, line and sinker. And, uh, <laughs> the Amazing. next day, the next day, one of the players dropped, you know, $350 on miniatures, I believe, you know, <laughs> and so they were, ju- they were just in it. And uh, as soon as I, I got them uh, hooked on the game, uh, they, uh, they kind of did the hard part for me of talking to our executives and, and saying, Hey, this is something we should do. And so, uh, so then after that, we put together a little concept and uh, just a cold call to wizards of coast and gave them the little 30 second teaser trailer with Epic music and said, Hey, we want to work with you. And, uh, we uh, it, it was good news that within the hour we were getting a reply from Wizards of the Coast, and then a That's week awesome. later I was flying out to Seattle to talk to them a little bit more. So so yeah, it was uh it, it's been quite a journey, and it's it's really hard for me at this point to remember some of the time before D and D Beyond, and and I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying that with any conceit. I'm just saying that it's like you know. Uh, I playing, uh, I was just playing a star Wars fifth edition conversion that I think, uh, many people have seen on Reddit out there. And the fact that I didn't have D and D beyond (laughs) to make that character quickly, (laughs) I was, it was just like, you know, nails on a chalkboard. I was like, I don't know if I can play this game now. And so, yeah, it, it, it's really just been such a change from, you know, three years ago. Uh, we've only been around for about three years and, uh, 
and it, it's been quite the ride and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. I mean, I know we're, we we have you on the show to talk to you and, you know, discuss Dungeons and Dragons overall, but I think that uh, a lot of our listeners and, and Ryan, I'm sorry, I'm totally speaking for you here, but no, 100%. I do, yeah, I do just want to say that D and D beyond has turned gaming, especially with fifth edition into just this ease of play, everything that, uh, you know, we, we use it for, whether it's uh, just, you know, finding monsters, uh, you know, managing campaigns, whatever, it has actually made such a huge difference. So for that, like, huge thank you. And I am so glad that that first game that you did turned out really well, you know, like the, the dice gods were in your favor at that point. <laughs> yeah, they were. And, and imagine like, you know, because there are, I, I know we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, and let me be very clear, uh, adore Dungeons and Dragons. There are a lot of other games mm-hmm. uh, out there and imagine oh, you totally. know, something something like a D&D Beyond for a Pathfinder or, mm-hmm. you know, our upcoming Cortex, you know, we really are headed in those kinds of directions now again this is not me confirming we're making anything with pathfinder because uh literally we don't have anything in place uh, with them but but i am saying that we're starting to look at some other ways Mm -hmm. to assist and provide that kind of convenience really across the space and and what we are planning uh where we're planning to be in in you know the three to five year vision part of this is we want to become the steam of tabletop rpgs we want to be really that that application that that service that website that you go to first if somebody buys a new pc the very first thing they install after they use internet explorer or edge to install chrome is <laughs> uh, is then they they go and get steam if they're a pc gamer and so we want to be um you know kind of synonymous with playing really any of these games even outside of D eventually mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I, I need to get my gushing out of the way at the beginning because one of the things we're going to be kind of talking about is introducing new players to the game and such. And D&D Beyond has been honestly amazing for me in helping get other people to play with me or hooked onto the hobby. In fact, I've got a one-shot I'm running for people um, later in February. Most of them are new, completely new players. I sent them the D&D Beyond link and I, and I don't have to worry about it because the character creator just walks them through it. And then I can answer, you know, a little question here or there on the way. And then I can really just help them with the, with the rule stuff, but it's all there. All the math is done for you. All the, the spells are done for you. It's, and it, I'm, I'm a fifth edition only person. I got into D&D shortly after fifth edition launched. So I, I kind of almost D&D Beyond was, almost synonymous with me starting it and it, i feel a little edition player spoiled. you are very spoiled <laughs> i feel spoiled yeah i feel super spoiled and it's it, it makes it hard because i'm i'm married i have kids time is time is precious and so anything i can do especially in my gaming time to cut down on things that are time consuming is is huge and so it's one of those things where it's like man i want to learn so many of these other systems i want to learn star wars i want to learn vampire the masquerade i want to learn call of cthulhu i want to learn cortex and like all these different systems are coming but most of them don't have these types of tools and just looking at it and going man i wish vampire the masquerade had a character creator like this that I could just jump into that kind of led me through tutorial and boom, digital character sheet. So no, I, I think 
in a, in a lot of ways, this is a preview of what digital gaming will look like mm -hmm. in the future, because that's where we're heading. I think the pandemic really has in some ways spurred that a lot because I'm stuck playing online with all my groups that I DM right now. I'm, I'm playing over discord and roll 20 and, and foundry and stuff like that. So having those strong digital tools for a game makes that collaboration so much easier and so much more accessible. Yeah, I think that um, you're absolutely right that uh, what's going on in our world with the pandemic and, and you know, that's, that's a whole other, uh, you know, podcast that uh, oh, I yeah. spent a long time uh, <laughs> just, just talking about the state of our world at this point. But, you know, I think one of the bright spots uh, during all of this, uh, you know, trying to look at silver linings wherever we can find them is that concept that people are connecting through gaming. And I think that, you know, D&D &D Beyond, we saw just massive growth this last year. Uh, you know, we ended up uh, pretty much in every metric category, you know, 100% plus growth in everywhere. And so uh, it, it's just become this really massive thing. And, and with all the data that we have coming in and everything else, it's really just great to see that that was a uh, solace and a, a refuge for, for so many people uh, during a very tough year. And of course, you know, this, it's a new year, but we're, we're not out of any woods uh, at all yet. And so I, I think that gaming is such an important part. I, I genuinely believe that if everyone in the world played Dungeons and Dragons, it would just flat out be a better place because, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I think that that's one of the, you're talking about adding, uh, you know, bringing new players into the game. And I think that that is actually one of my key pitches for someone that I'm trying to talk into playing is that, you know, sure, this is a game. It has rules. You, you learn, you know, mechanics and, and things that you need to do. Uh, you're interacting with the people around the, the table. But I really do believe that it's, it's a life skill that you can learn. Um, now, you know, it's a little unfair in my current role where, you know, kind of D&D knowledge is you know, required to get hired. But I, I think even, you know, we're starting to see employers out there that have nothing to do with the gaming space uh, looking very favorably on people's resume that call out that they play role-playing games and, and Dungeons and Dragons and things like that, because it, it really teaches people to cooperate together. It's one of the reasons that, and I think we might talk about this at some point, it's one of the reasons that I think it's so important for kids um, you know, to, to really get into to playing these games. And I think that since we are living in this just emerging digital age where everything is going digital, uh, you know, part, part of that transition has been painful for the tabletop space because, you know, number one, not all of the things are completely, uh, they don't lend themselves to being digitized mm -hmm. uh, in one way or another. So it, it's not like, you know, everybody can just uh, scramble and just make some slap anything down and it's going to work. It has to be very thoughtful, uh, you know, and the approach that we've always taken with D&D Beyond is when we entered the space, we were already about three years into the edition when D&D Beyond uh, was announced. And so we were playing a little bit of catch up and we said, you know, hey, there are virtual tabletops out there that are already existing. Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds are doing a good job of, of uh, you know, doing that piece of it. What are the things that can help new players, new DMs, uh, you know, and, and all players, veteran and beginner, what are the things that can cut down on that time, make things more convenient? Where are the gaps that, um, 
are, are not really being covered yet. And so that's our, our vision and our strategy has always been to go into let's provide some easy to navigate searchable rules, which just, you know, oddly enough, didn't exist in like a comprehensive way, at least at oh, that yeah. point in time. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, when they read on paper, what our compendium and some of that does, they don't get it. Uh, and, and it's like when people actually use it, when they sit down to run an adventure and they're like reading the adventure with the tool tips and all that, that they understand that, you know, being easy to navigate, easy to search, is such a boon at the table. And so we did that and we did character management and we've done a really good job of character management. And so we're starting to get into some of these other tools and the plan has always been to come back then once we established a, a, a foothold in, uh, you know, giving fans what they need and what they were missing, that we would then be able to come back with virtual tabletop functionality. But then the really, really key thing is it all being fully integrated. Mm -hmm. And see, that's, that's the really hard part right now with current gen VTTs is you've just got this sense that, uh, you know, that time that you're wanting to save, uh, it's really convenient for the people playing, but for the dungeon master that's trying to put all that together, it is a nightmare. And so um, actually, you know, really excited this year, uh, we'll see the first steps, the first releases of, uh, you know, uh, of a virtual tabletop for us that's going to, you know, integrate all of the pieces. And, uh, and so we're really just kind of standing at a threshold uh, and, and getting ready to walk through with that. And I, I think it's going to make D&D uh, &D Beyond, you know, much more useful and more uh, able to kind of cover all of those bases that people are looking for. But it also is just going to uh, really, really help with that whole issue of bringing new players in in this pandemic, because that's the thing is when you're bringing a new player in and you're sitting at the table with them, there's, there's a closeness and a connectedness mm -hmm. that makes that a lot easier. Bringing new players in in our new world and uh, what's happening here today is is really a challenge and so playing with some of the virtual tabletops out there right now some of the learning curve uh is a little steep and we're, we're doing everything that we can to try to reduce that as much as possible uh to make it uh to where you could send this to a uh, younger niece or nephew or you know who, whoever you want to play with and they would be able to pick it up and it would be really intuitive and everything would be integrated and make it a, a lot easier for them to just completely onboard into playing this game See, that is such amazing, like fantastic news. Um, about a year ago before, you know, well, my girlfriend and I just, you know, became home buddies. Uh, we visited my parents in California and I ran a one shot with them for, you know, their very first time playing. They never did anything before. Um, I created, a, you know, just a whole bunch of different template characters for them to kind of play around with. And you know, so we're starting to play and, you know, they've each got either a phone or an iPad out and, you know, we've got their character sheets loaded up. And within like 15 minutes, my mom is telling my dad how to tap on things to learn into, you know, oh, this spell does this or this ability does this. So like having it be so intuitive just from a character sheet has been, you know, a blessing. But going forward into like, you know, the actual tabletop or the virtual tabletop aspect of it is really exciting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, playing around with that and, and really getting a chance to kind of deep dive and, and see what, what comes of it. 
Yeah, and and you'll you'll see the first steps of that, uh, you know, very very soon. We've got uh, a game log and, and shared dice rolling uh, so th- nice. that's going to be happening. And you know, if uh, if this was not audio only, I w- I would show it off. But you'll so everybody will have to tune into some <laughs> dev updates uh, because that that's going to be happening very very soon. But yeah, I, I, we've actually been playing with it internally for a while. Uh, Lauren, uh, Urban, and I uh, were playing in a game last night, and so we were rolling and we were seeing each other's roles and so even that one little uh you know everything's been a stair step for us so it's Mm -hmm. like you know hey deliver this value it's it's an agile development approach and so i think that uh you know what what we're doing with the game log is gonna keep a lot of uh, fans really happy out there but it's also again going to lower that barrier of entry and then by the time that we get to maps and miniatures and uh, you know, uh, cosmetic items to customize for your character and, you know, just all of those kind of things. It, it's going to be a merging, uh, utilizing the best parts of video game technology Very while cool. hopefully, uh, you know, leaving out some of the parts that are going to really start stepping on the toes of what makes it a tabletop role-playing game because we can all play video games uh, anytime we want to they're very accessible these days unless you happen to be looking for a ps5 um but uh, <laughs> very easy to get uh you know video games uh whatever you're wanting to play but uh when it comes to D, it's a shared experience and mm-hmm. it's just something that you know even the best video games for me anyway just just can't come close to what happens and, and the interaction and the, the yeah. collaboration that can happen in these games and so our goal has always been to really move beyond supplementing gameplay to be the way that people play the game uh you know in, in the first place but then do that in a way that we're not uh you know removing the things that are best about the experience and and, and instead shining a light on those elements uh, of shared storytelling that, that really make D and D sync. Yeah, for, for sure. And I think, and kind of coming at this from a DM perspective, just talking about introducing people, talking about new players. Um, I kind of fall back on one of the things that I said earlier that for me, especially time is such a consideration DM prep time, being able to get everything done that I need to get done in a timely manner, especially if I'm running one shots or something I've never run before, not to mention just ongoing campaigns in general. And that's, as you, if you've been talking about this, it's, it's been such a real treat to like watch as this has evolved from the beginning mm-hmm. and all the, how, how useful it's been. Like I run almost all my stuff through the encounter tracker and uh, the combat or the encounter builder and the combat tracker mm-hmm. um, and having, having those types of things to just make my job easier, help combat flow faster because y- you sometimes don't think about it, but those types of things can be really good for new players, not having to be stuck while someone looks up something for five minutes or while <laughs> I'm over here trying to tabulate HP on a monster when I can just go in there and type minus 20 or whatever and hit the damage button and boom, it does all the calculations and stuff for me or, you know, having it just roll automatically and add everything up. You can't do that all the time because you got to sometimes roll the 
yeah. 8d6 or the 10d6 in person just because it feels really good to roll that many <laughs> dice at yeah. the same time but it's it's one of and those your huge of dice collection you've got to use it somehow oh yeah exactly. you gotta you gotta yeah. use it you gotta use it sometime but i, those... I started playing with uh west end game star wars and uh so it's just, it's a d6 system and yeah I, I i remember you know uh some of those attacks i would just grab like 18 d6 and just <laughs> throw them on the table it, it there's something crazy. satisfying about that there there yeah. really is um and i and for me too uh and the the one the one system i'm really looking forward to that i know you guys have been working on for a while is in the the homebrew revamp the monster creator i'm a huge huge homebrewer it's it's sometimes terrible there's so much good content and it's just like i want to make every little just thing just a tiny tweet so, so many dnd players are, are creators i mean it, it's yeah. it's part of the dna if, if if you're dungeon mastering often uh you're also wanting to create and so i think that uh mm-hmm. you know we see this to different degrees right so even people who are just running published adventures and and you know really sticking close to the uh kind of the official content line like they still like to have that freedom to create and uh you know uh, embellish and, and and all those things even within that framework and so i definitely get it and I, I i think that you know our homebrew system i've said this publicly uh several times it's probably the part of our service uh currently that i'm least proud of because uh it's it's always been a uh you know it it really has been uh to to use an expression that people use in my area of the world it's you know uh slapping some lipstick on a pig Um, (laughs) it's like a back-end tool almost it it has been yeah it was absolutely Mm -hmm. a back-end tool that uh we use to enter all of those items and uh you know spells and everything ourselves and then we just simply said you know hey we need for players because this is a such an open-ended game we need for players to be able and and dungeon masters to be able to create things that aren't you know in the official rules even if it was just something you know from the beginning very simple like hey we only have a vicious uh you know long sword and we need to be able to have vicious every other kind of weapon you know so Mm -hmm. it's like hey let's uh you know and and eventually we ended up putting that in there ourselves but still it was like hey we need the ability for this to be fleshed out further and so uh we tried to you know throw a little bit of design on top of of some back end tools and so i think uh you know from a road mapping perspective we're probably uh you know going to start looking at, at some of that at least looking at it back half of this year and uh you know i i, I hope that when we get to a point where we really are uh, producing a real update for those homebrew tools. It's going to be uh, hopefully a very weighty and and very significant kind of update that's going to to make you know using them easier than it is today. Uh, and again, like I keep saying that to people, and they're like, "Oh, well, it's great. Like I, I love using it." And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> there's a lot more that we could do to make it a lot better. So so trust me on that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the ignorance behind it is like, oh no, it's great. It's like you have no idea what it could be, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be making so many monsters and so many monsters. Um, so one of the things that we kind of wanted to talk to you about a little bit is is introducing new players. Um, so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts for those uh, DMs or those players that have friends who've never played before uh, that they want to try and get into either D&D or just tabletop RPGs in general, um, what, what kind of tips or what would you tell them or what has really worked for you 
well in being able to introduce new players. I think everything's changed. You know, when I, I was uh, first starting playing, I, I just mentioned that I played uh, Star Wars West End Games version mm -hmm. was the first game I ever played. I grew up here in the Bible Belt. And so the satanic panic was a very, very real thing. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I wasn't able to play Dungeons and Dragons or any game like it until I got into uh, high school. And as that was happening, uh, kind of ironically, a minister actually introduced me to, uh, uh, at the time, Star Wars, uh, because awesome. for whatever reason, it was okay to play with the Force, but you couldn't play with, you know, uh, casting a spell Obviously. or whatever. Obviously. Um, you know, lo lots and lots of different things. Completely different uh, things. But, uh, but you know, for, for whatever reason, that one was kind of socially acceptable, but then, um, you know, eventually uh, gravitated towards D&D uh, &D for sure. And I think that you know, before my, uh, you know, first uh, foray there, but then, you know, as I was doing it, so much of getting into D&D &D was predicated on this idea that someone that you knew or were at least acquainted with showed you how to play. And, and, and it really was just, just the way that it happened. And, uh, and, and so you did not, uh, you could not just go into a Barnes & Noble uh, and uh, pick up one of those rule books and start reading it and oh, for yeah. all of that to just click. There, there was just no way that that was, was a possibility at that point in time. And uh, the way that, you know, I've um, heard, heard it put is if, uh, I, I don't know if either of you ever played sports, but, but I played a little sports in my younger, younger days. And if uh, I've seen a baseball rule book, and if you read a baseball rule book and you've never seen anybody play baseball, there is no way Oh, that you would <laughs> actually recreate what happens in real baseball. Right? Uh -huh. And so, uh, so I think that D and D suffered from that for so long and, and really the only way that you could come into the game is if you were asked in, or if you stumbled into one of the bookstores that sold these uh, products and then you happen to somehow, uh, you know, meander down to the basement or up to the attic and see people playing and you, you know, were a, mm -hmm. a fly on the wall for a little while. Like that's the only way you could get introduced to it. And so I think that in today's world, the very first step I would take, if you're trying to convince somebody to become a new player is to, you know, and, and I have a go-to rotation here of some of the key episodes of Critical Role um, and, and, and some of the streamed content that exists out there because a picture is worth a thousand words mm -hmm. and a video is worth a million, right? And so it really is, it's like you can, uh, and, and now, you know, let, let's be perfectly honest with ourselves. Some of watching D&D, others play D&D is incredibly boring, including Critical Role. Mm -hmm. And that is mm -hmm. no slide against them yeah. at all, right? Um, so you gotta be choosy with, with what you're looking at, like to really show you, you want to put your best foot forward if you're uh, wanting to talk somebody oh, yeah. into it, but you know, find one of those really, really uh, not necessarily action packed, but like really engaging episodes that happen. Um, because I think we all know that, you know, when you're not playing a streamed game, a lot of the fun is just the interaction with the people around mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. eating yep. snacks, you know, what, whatever it is you're doing. But I think that, you know, a streamed game doesn't have, uh, can't hide in the corner uh, of some of that and so uh, they, they wear everything out there on their sleeves so find those really good episodes and let them and, and even better because nobody's going to sit down and watch a four-hour one of those unless they just really love it immediately but find clips like find those uh portions 
that uh, you know kind of speak for themselves enough. And uh, and I do. I just I, I have like a, a a little list of like scenes that I will send to people that I you know that ask me what is D and D. And that gets them very engaged most of the time when they see it actually happening. And then I think that, you know, typically I'm going to follow that up with if I really am wanting them to play, especially if it's a group of people. So if it's not just an individual, if, you know, there are a few handful of people that I'm trying to talk uh, into, I figure out, you know, where that common ground is. What is it that uh, you know, first of all, how do I know them? They might be family, but if they're not family, uh, the chances are that we are talking about, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe or, you know, just some other type of interest that we share uh, and, and find that common ground. And I will tell them that it's like, look, I will, you know, run something, uh, an approximation that will fit in with what you're interested in uh, there. I, I, I found great success with that in the past that, you know, finding uh, what, you know, I've run uh, Harry Potter things. Uh, the, the, the funny thing is, is I'm not like incredibly huge fan of Harry Potter, but I am a fan of new players coming to D and D. And so when I found some people <laughs> that wanted to, I, I, I was a quick study and found out a lot about Harry Potter in a very short time where I could get them playing the game that they, they're still playing today. They run games themselves, all three of them. Oh, that's cool. uh, you know, so it's like, you know, that kind of thing, has been what I have used in the past is, you know, first mm-hmm. of all, show them the the pictures or the video and then, you know, follow that up with saying, Hey, look, I will help you get into this and you'll be in my capable, caring, uh, you know, safe hands to, to try to, uh, you know, usher into that. Now, if you don't have me sitting there trying to pull you in or, or yourselves or, you know, some other experienced DM to pull you into that, it does get harder. I mean, it, it flat out gets harder. And this is a problem that Wizards of the Coast has been trying to figure out for decades. And, uh, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, I don't think they've solved it yet. Uh, and that is, you know, how do you get people, uh, how do you develop new DMs? Because that is the greatest barrier of entry into the game. And I won't get into some of the, you know, AI options and machine learning that we're looking into on our side to see if there's any way to possibly uh, play some kind of experience without a uh, GM or narrator, you know, at some point in the future, uh, because again, we're, we're, a lo- everyone is a long way away mm-hmm. from, from that ever being a possibility. But, um, but I will say that w- another thing that we're looking at um, is, you know, some kind of GM Academy uh, where we have online, uh, you know, so like uh, Udemy or one of these other online learning type platforms, we're looking into providing, uh, you know, essentially courses that you can get certified yeah. and, and that kind of thing to learn to be a DM because the truth is there, there just isn't enough of that out there. And the only way that you can learn is by watching somebody like Matt Mercer, uh, which, you know, sometimes hard, hard, hard to measure up to and a little overwhelming. Um, but then, uh, you know, the, the other way is if you know someone that shows you how to do it. So we're going to try to demystify some of those parts of the process, but you know, that that's a little ways off. And I think, uh, that that's why the people, um, those of us who do play, we need to serve as evangelists that are able to kind of get that word out and usher people into the game until some of those tools exist. 
Now, when you do DM and, uh, you know, or whether you're doing it for experienced players or, you know, new players, do you prefer to run uh, actual like campaign settings that are, you know, out there? Do you homebrew a lot of stuff? Because uh, like you said, you know, you, you kind of try to turn it into uh, some sort of common ground, whether it's MCU, Harry Potter or whatever, like how difficult is it to adapt some of that? And are you able to pull from, um, you know, some adventures and then just kind of reskin everything? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. And, and the truth is I've done all of the, you know, I've probably played the game in any variation or configuration imaginable. But uh, what, what I will say is that I, I don't think at this point in my life, I have a preference. I think that, you know, 20 years ago, I would have absolutely wanted to run my own thing. And it would have been homebrew worlds. And I have some just epic classic i'm sure they are way better looking in my rose-colored glasses than they actually were when they were going on but um you know super fond memories of uh you know worlds that i created and and all the world building uh and you know the era when i had time to do those kind of Mm -hmm. things and so i think that uh you know uh post a couple of children and active family life and and you know running uh business and you know all, all these other things like that time is, is a very valuable resource and we don't have enough of it. And, and there are many people who are going to be hearing this that, that are in, in that category. And so I think that, uh, there, you know, one of the things that I tell DMs all the time is there is nothing wrong with running an official adventure. That is what they are there for. There's nothing wrong with picking something that is highly rated off the DMs Guild or, uh, you know, one bookshelf, uh, you know, drive through RPG or, or any of those. There's nothing at all wrong with that because it's literally what they're there for. And you don't have to recreate all of, of that content. That's just an extra step that you can take if that's your jam, if that's something, yeah. if you are a creator, uh, like Ryan was talking about there, you know, like that's something that you can take on but it is not a requirement. It's nothing that you have to do. So I think that most of the time these days I run with something that is official. If I'm going to run D and D, you know, actually in the forgotten realms or Eberron or, Mm -hmm. or one of the real settings. Now, if I'm adapting, like I was talking about, uh, you know, I'm playing in a game right now where we're playing different Justice League characters. I'm playing as Hal Jordan, uh, Green Lantern of <laughs> Sector awesome. 2814. Um, but, uh, but ultimately uh, playing as Hal Jordan and we're accomplishing that with fifth edition rules. So if you happen, if you're trying to get new players into the game, if you happen to have your sea legs as a DM, it's really not as hard as you probably think. And so I, I you know, I would love to get into more detail about that, you know, like, uh, and, and I do sometimes one-on-one with people who are asking these kind of questions of, of just like, look, you know, reskinning, you can take monsters and this is roughly what you think it would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just um, actually ended up uh, into a fight with uh, one of the Red Lanterns, Atrocicus, um, and uh, as we were fighting that, uh, after we got done fighting, uh, our DM uh, for that game uh, revealed that it was something from uh, Mysti- uh, Mythical Odysseys of Theros. Um, so it was a, a cool. reskinned monster from there that had roughly the same abilities and just a different name and a different look and feel. And so I think that, you know, that's the biggest thing that I would say out there is that it really is easy, uh, especially in your prep to reskin those elements that make a lot of sense. So when I'm running a Harry Potter game, 
it's not very hard to find something that is an approximation of a Dementor. Um, uh, you know, so you can, you know, find reef-like creatures all through the monster manual. So it, it's, it's really identifying those kind of elements and, uh, and really uh, improv is everything I do. I genuinely, this, this is going to sound terrible, but outside of reading an adventure the first time, and most of the time that happens, you know, uh, six weeks ahead of release when we get the material in D&D Beyond. I just, I just read the book real quick. Uh, and, you know, as that happens, that is the, the last of my prep that I do. Yeah. But again, I've been doing this for 25 plus years and, and that's not going to fit for everybody, but improv is where I live. And so it's like, I think that, mm -hmm. you know, if that's what you're into, then you can reskin on the fly. If you are a prepper and a planner, there's, first of all, nothing wrong with that. Like a uh, good buddy, uh, Mike Shea, um, Sly Flourish uh, is, is talking about all the time, you know, reduce the prep time, reduce the prep time. And his heart's in the right place. And it is an absolutely wonderful mission for him to champion. Uh, but I think that sometimes what happens with that, because nobody online can just exist on a spectrum, of like feelings, uh, you know, mm -hmm. people get into camps. Right. And, uh, and I think that sometimes people from one of those camps starts looking at anyone who puts a lot of prep into what they're doing as you're doing it wrong. And I, I think that there's nothing that could be further from the truth. It's whatever's going to work for you, whatever's going to give you the level of comfort that's going to let you run that game. And so if that means that you're going to prep eight hours a week now, you might not have a lot of time for that, but if that's what you have time for and that's what you want to do, then you should do it. Um, but I, I think that, you know, with time being so precious for so many of us these days that, you know, trying to find some kind of uh, middle ground there, like for instance, probably would make sense if I prepped something a little bit, you know, um, and I wouldn't just be completely, uh, you know, uh, kind of conning my way through the whole thing. Like I, I normally <laughs> do, uh, but, uh, but ultimately the players don't know the difference. And if the players are having fun, that is, mm -hmm. a, you know, the rule zero here. And the, and that's, that's the thing that, that you're trying to, to accomplish. And so I think that again, looping this back around to bringing new players into the game, if someone, uh, I, I tell a, a quick story. So, you know, uh, used to where we lived, we would get a lot of um, knocks on the door uh, from, um, you know, uh, evangelist or, or Jehovah's Witness, uh, you know, mm -hmm. people trying to, uh, you know, talk about their religion. And, the th and, and, and by the way, um, I, I want to be clear here, I'm not talking about the religion itself. I'm, I'm talking about the qualities of some of the people that came. I would talk to the people who were animated, who were excited to be there, who were, you know, it acted like they believed what they were selling or what they mm -hmm. were, were talking about or whatever else. And, you know, it, it just always cracked me up. Like I wouldn't laugh in their faces because I'm a little too kind for that. But, um, but, you know, it's like, you know, someone that's coming to the door wanting something and, and I understand nervousness and, and those kind of things. But sometimes they acted like they didn't believe what they were saying. They acted so disinterested <laughs> and, and, and like just it was like this was the worst thing in the world they were talking about. And so it's really hard for that to be infectious. And so I think that, you know, bringing those new players in the game, you know, if you are passionate and excited about what's happening, trying to make that infectious for those players and whether that means you're going to run a Harry Potter one shot with them or a Marvel one shot or you're just saying like, Hey, I'm going to take 
the trusty lost minds of Fandel or lost mine of Fandel. I always want to try to make that plural for some reason. Uh, lost mine of Fandelver and, you know, from the starter kit and we're going to run this and you're going to love it uh, and find out that those new players that what they really like is making characters start wherever you think that there is that hook that, that they will bite on. And if these are strangers, that's, that's a little harder, but if they're people that you know, then, uh, then apply as much uh, psychology and sociology as you can, because uh, you know, I'm not saying manipulate them, but, but, but be smart about it and try to, you know, find that thing that they like and then get them playing because um, I have literally never, not a single time in again, 25 plus years, I can't remember how old I am at this point, but not a single time in playing have I ever had someone join a game and then say afterwards that they didn't want to play anymore. Not a single time. And I bet that there are a lot of people out there that would have the same kind of, uh, now there have been people who've been more or less interested, but not a single person that was like, yeah, this game's terrible and I never want to play it again. Mm -hmm. And so there really is, it's, it's not like we're selling a bad product. It's not like we're trying to talk them into something that most people on the planet are not going to like. They're going to love it once they get in there. So we just got to, you know, break down those barriers to get them started. Yeah, I, I I love that. So many so many great examples in there of just being able to get people in. I know one of the things uh, you, you know you talked about gateway things like the the theming, and that was one of the things we we were wanting to talk about anyways, like theming Marvel, theming Harry Potter, whatever. Um, there are also a lot of really great tabletop games that are non D and D, such as things like Gloomhaven. Uh, that are great gateways that don't quite necessarily have the full-on complexity uh, or creation needs of something like D&D. Don't necessarily have to, like you were talking about, don't necessarily have to have a GM or a DM. The book kind of walks you through, the game mechanics kind of play the enemies for you, and you, all you have to do is focus on the one thing. But those are awesome, like, gateway-type games that you can use to then introduce people to dnd it's like remember that gloomhaven game we played we had a lot of fun didn't we let me tell you about something that lets you have more creative freedom than that yeah i mean i i think that that that's a great call out and and that actually does remind me of another tactic i've, I've actually possibly used the most uh because i think i was you know probably thinking about um more how i have tried to get people that I have some kind of relationship with to, to start playing. But especially if I'm working with strangers because video gaming is just so ubiquitous mm -hmm. in our world today, that is the easiest touch point. Oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. have you played the Elder Scrolls? Have you played Diablo? Have you played, you know, whatever, there are so many options out there now. Uh, have you played The Witcher? Have, you know, so that list is going to go on and on. And so once you get a yes out of that and, you know, so far, I found that, you know, there's probably a 75% chance that that's going to be a yes. Um, then from there it is, it's, it's a simple thing to say, well, you know, that exists because of this Dungeons and Dragons thing. Uh, th this was the first one of these role-playing games and, um, and use that as the gateway to discuss that, you know, uh, there is a, um, it, it's a little, it's definitely got some foul language in it, but there's also another YouTube video that is uh, eight or 10 minutes long. That is, you know, what the bleep is uh, D and D. Um, and basically that 
video does an outstanding job of introducing what it is and talking about video games and how they came from D and D, uh, you know, and, and all the principles that were laid out there. And, uh, and it has some great images where you're, you get to the edge of a map in a video game and, and you just can't do anything. And it's just, you know, humorous, like jumping and trying to get over the mountain that you can't scale, you know, and just all these things. And that limitation and those boundaries that video games necessarily have to to present right because you we're not in oasis level uh you know immersion uh, (laughs) you know and so uh it's like you know since video games are limited no matter what then i mean even look at something like cyberpunk this is this game that's been in development for going on a decade and its release has been really riddled with a lot of issues and as you know someone who does uh much uh you know lighter software development than, than what they're doing mm-hmm. there. So I'm not uh, making this synonymous, but I, I can definitely uh, sympathize with what they're going through because it is so hard to pull off something with that much ambition. Um, and with all the expectations, the crushing expectations uh, that they've experienced for, you know, again, years and years and years here. And, and that's the thing is even as massive and ambitious as an undertaking as, as that was um, it, it, it still fell flat in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And so I think that that is such a perfect way to frame this discussion about Dungeons and Dragons is that like, Hey, you know, you can do this. It's kind of like another analogy that I'll use here. Uh, We were talking uh, before uh, we we started here, uh, the the, the off the record chat about uh, DC universe animation and uh, you know, justice league unlimited Batman beyond. We were talking about a lot of that. And one of the things that I've always loved about animation until something like the MCU existed and we started seeing this merging of, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, they actually pulled off the effects here. But like, (laughs) you know, I remember watching the Doctor Strange Marvel animated movie before the MCU came out or, you Mm -hmm. know, any of that. And I I just remember thinking like, I'm so glad they did this because a live action one of these would be almost impossible to pull off because, you know, they wouldn't have the budget to do it. And so in Mm -hmm. animation, they had the budget. And so I think that um, now, obviously they you know 10 years after that they came in and was like oh we can actually do this with live action now um but i think that that's such a great way to think about D is that in cyberpunk in the elder scrolls 6 when that uh you know eventually comes out uh, you know the truth is is i'm going to play that game i'm going to spend a lot of hours in that game i'm probably going to like that game a, a decent amount but it is never going to rival the heights of what D can do for me because mm-hmm. I am going to hit the edge of that map. And I, I think that, you know, that is a really compelling story for anyone out there who has not yet played D and D or, or a game like it uh, is to simply, you know, kind of put that out there and say, there is no edge to this map. And just like in those animated shows, you don't like have a budget. Like now, uh, you know, if you're using a lot of miniatures and that kind of thing, a little bit, but it's like, you know, yeah. for, the most part, <laughs> yeah. for the most part, you can, you know, uh, really, really make this story what you want it to be with your friends at the table. And, and again, uh, we're all primed uh, as storytellers. Story is a vital, essential part of human history. And I am uh, fundamentally a you know, degree in uh, religion and sociology, uh, you know, studied a good bit of psychology. And I, I genuinely believe that it is a primal need for humans uh, to, to tell stories and to participate in stories. Mm-hmm. And I, I think D&D just provides such a perfect framework for that. And so again, 
that's the reason I think that no one's ever said, no, I'll never play that again. Not a single one out of hundreds. I don't even know. It might even be a thousand people that I've played D and D with, uh, you know, over the last 25 years, conventions and everything else. Like it, it not, it has not happened a single time. And so we just got to get mm-hmm. them into the uh, car. And once we get them into the car, they're going to be along for the ride. Yeah, they'll drink the Kool-Aid at that point, and it's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it's delicious it. Kool-Aid, nice and chilled. It, <laughs> it's 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 really cool. That is that's usually you hit on one of the things I love to tell new players whenever I get to play with them is you can do anything. Don't think about this like a game. You're not going to walk up to that NPC and they'll say hi. My name is Ted, and then you talk to them again. And they say hi. My name is Ted, and it's just it's just like the continual. Unless like, the DM got... forgets about Ted, <laughs> that's right. Unless yeah. the DM... or he just happens it'll... to be ten seconds Ted, and he only has yeah. that ten seconds of memory. Yeah. It'll be his his brother Ned. But it's it's one of those things where yeah, you you literally to the extent of the imagination of the DM. You can, nothing is scripted. You're never going to hit the loop. You're never going to hit the edge of the map. And so having that kind of thing is, is just super cool. And, well, and oh, no, sorry. Well, and also on top of that, one of the best things uh, that you can do in D&D over video games is that there is no failure scenario. You know, you will not, oh, uh, well, I missed, therefore it's game over. I mean, you could have a TBK, but that also gives you options for other things that you can expand upon <laughs> uh-huh. too. So, I mean, just walking up to someone and be like, oh man, you weren't able to beat that boss. Well, guess what? In Dungeons and Dragons, stuff happens after that, no matter what happens. And, you know, it, it's one of the great things about uh, bringing new players in too. It's like they have a little dice roll and everybody like gets excited because like, oh, they failed their acrobatics. What's going to happen here? You know, it, it's, yeah. it's one of those things that also helps teach again you know um uh, younger players too that failure is okay in life because it continues it just keeps moving forward and that's really essential yeah oh yeah and along with the uh you know cooperative play failure storytelling like there's so much about this game that just brings you know life lessons into it. It, it it's funny you were talking about you know all the different hats that you've worn through your career um but all those hats have made you a better DM because of all the different aspects and viewpoints and everything that you've seen. And because you're a good DM, it also brings all that aspect into all those different hats too. It's like this whole cycle of just growth based on, you know, pulling from here and there and adding it together and just, you know, moving forward with it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that, you know, being a DM is um, genuinely one of, one of the, most important skills that just anyone in the world and again mm-hmm. it's it, it almost sounds like frivolous when we're sitting here saying this but i i am not joking like i imagine that you know i i i uh, am sure there's going to be a life for me after fandom i don't i have no idea what that's going to be uh you know yet but it's like whatever that is if i am not directly in the tabletop space which you know chances are i probably will stay around um but but if i'm not if i'm in some other industry you better believe that the candidates I'm trying to hire are very likely, like I'm going to be looking for that. Like, uh, you know, that, that it's like, if you are a dungeon master, you're learning skills at improvisation, you're learning decision-making, you know, like thinking about as a DM, you're having to make snap decisions, uh, the best decisions that you can make with the information that you've been presented. And, and that is like, 
just a, such a huge life skill to learn. So yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Again, the world would be a better place if people, if everyone played D and D. And I think that the more people can learn to uh, be the DM, uh, they're, they're going to really just, you know, have a, such a positive impact for the people that they're playing with, but also in anything that they're doing out there because those skills are essential and vital kind of regardless of what, uh, you know, your undertaking is. Yeah, I, I think I think that's an awesome segue too. Before we just get into a a little bit of uh, talk about characters, um, you're a parent. Um, I've got I've got uh, three young kids, so we're not quite quite there yet. But I know a lot of our listeners have kids. I know uh, specifically there are several that play D and D with their kids. Um, so from that perspective, as brings a, joy to my heart to yeah, hear that. Like, yeah. As a dad and a dungeon master, which I that that will be me soon. Yeah, um, you're coming up I, on it. I'm 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 so I'm so incredibly pumped to have family D D nights. My wife plays in one campaign that I DM, and it's it's just such a joy that we get to play with with some other couples and, and do that. But I'm really excited to do family D and D uh, eventually. And so that's, I wanted to just kind of touch on that briefly as uh, like as a dad and a dungeon master at the same time. And you talking about these life skills and stuff, how has that been with your own kids? Because I know uh, there's, there's, there's a stream footage of you playing with, uh, the D and D beyond did, uh, a small mini series. Yeah. Roll in uh, the family. Yeah, yeah. With, with you, uh, and, uh, one of your sons and then several other, uh, streamers and their kids as well. And, and Brenly Mulligan did the deeming for that, which I, I've, I've always, I've gushed before. He is one of my favorite yeah, he, he's like bar else. none. He's, he, he's, he's one of my leader. favorites. Yeah, yeah I, I absolutely love him. But uh, can you talk just a little bit about that or it, uh, parents who might listen, uh, wanting to do that with their kids or kind of wanting to know a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, playing with Dungeons and Dragons or uh, just really, I, I mean, let's boil it down to any kind of game. Yeah, for sure. Kids is just it's such a treasure. It's something that when you're a kid and all those times that you wanted to do something with a parent and, you know, and, and again, I, I hope that everybody out there has a wonderful parent situation. Many people do not. And, and mm-hmm. that breaks my heart. Um, but whether it's a good or a bad situation, even in the good ones, it's, it's, you know, there's never enough time to do something with a parent, you know, when you're asking and, and just, you know, I've always thought about it in that reverse order because, and maybe it's, you know, I've just uh, stayed, you know, as childlike at heart and done done the best that I can to try to maintain a sense of wonder about the world, you know? Uh, So, you know, maybe it's an eyes of, of a child kind of thing, but I always look at it that other way of like, you know, are my kids, going to you know feel like they they didn't get as many opportunities as they wanted Mm -hmm. uh you know and and you know the answer that's always going to be yes because you know (laughs) we're 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 human beings and we have limitations and you know time is a limited resource but but still it's like you know thinking about it in that way and especially thinking about running something uh as significant as D &D and what that what kind of impact that can have on them and so i started playing with my uh, children when they were you know 
uh, four, four to six, uh, you know, uh, I, now they are, uh, they're actually, yeah, they've got a birthday in just like a week. So, uh, they, they have the same birthday. They were not born on the same day, but they have the same birthday four years apart. Um, so one of them, uh, they're about to be 12 and 16. So, uh, old kids here. Um, and, uh, but we've played for a long time together and I, I genuinely think, that it has just made them better people to be around. I mean, I, I even have a shared language with them about, you know, when, when uh, uh, like, uh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just rolled a one right there or something like that, you know, <laughs> and they know exactly what I mean by that, you know? And so it's like all, all of that is, uh, is such a delight to actually uh, just get to live that out. And as they're getting older and, and thinking about that, you know, horrible part of it's just going to be, you know, the wife and I and the dogs and uh, you know, uh, when, when they, they leave the home, it's like getting into that, uh, you know, kind of back phase of, of raising kids here. I think D&D has had such an impact on both of them. First of all, not to, you know, toot the horn or anything like that, but they are both like literal geniuses. And I would not like, you know, between Minecraft and D&D, <laughs> I, I attribute that to them. Like we used to get, you know, our teachers, how does, uh, how does your three-year-old read so well? Like, honest to goodness, we read to him, but like, it is because he's trying to play Minecraft in there and he is like learning the, what the numbers and the letters mean together. Mm-hmm. We play a D and D and I say a word that he doesn't know. And he like looks it up immediately, you know, and so, and it's like, so it, it, it's just wild to see, uh, again, I think they should be doing this in every school and in, in across the entire world. They mm-hmm. should be playing D and D, you know, as uh, some kind of uh, extracurricular activity or, or whatever else. This is, uh, you know, more important. And this is coming from someone who played sports my entire life. I all state basketball player, you know, uh, could have gone to college on a, a basketball scholarship, but decided it was way too much work. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> so as, as you know, playing all those sports playing, I wish I had played D and D back, back, back in those mm-hmm. times, because I think that it would have just done so much good for me. So yeah, if you have kids out there who are remotely interested in playing, I strongly encourage uh, you you to you know run a game or you know one of the friends that you're you're already playing D and D with uh, have them run a game for you and and their kids or whatever you can do mm-hmm. to get your kids playing because now you know my oldest is uh, he um, uh, actually I, I have to go uh, pick him up in a little bit here uh, he's uh, filming a sitcom because he's wanting to be an actor and I know good and well that his dream of what he's trying to do is seriously because he played so much D and D that he is used to improv. He does voices. He's a better player than, you know, a a lot of, uh, you know, the adults that I play with today because he's just been doing it since, you know, a very impressionable age Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he's just gotten really, really good at it. And so like, I think that again, just like with anything, you're going to hear this about learning a language, learning, uh, you know, mathematics, like any kind of subject, kids are going to soak that up like a sponge. And then you have this just wonderful, uh, you know, side benefit of that, of you're being a good parent, you're spending time with your kids. And again, we're, we're in a really, uh, you know, I, I won't dive too much into it, but we're in a, a tumultuous time mm-hmm. in our world's history right now. And I think that one of the, you know, really big 
causes of that is the breakdown of the family. And I'm by the way, I'm not always talking about blood when I say that. Like you can find family in a variety of different ways, and mm-hmm. just being able to to be with family, blood or otherwise, and be able to share this joy of gaming, but then also this joy of storytelling with kids uh, is is genuinely an essential skill that they need to learn. So the thing that I will say out there for anyone who's trying to play D&D with their kids, uh, you know, really just showing up is, is the biggest part of what you can do. Just doing it in the first place. You don't even have to be that good. I've told you before that I barely or, or don't prep for most of my games. Um, you know, in the early stages, I did not prep for playing with my kids as much as I prepped for, you know, the, the 30 plus year old, uh, you know, guys that I was playing with, uh, you know, uh, every week or, or anything like that. But you know what, the kids didn't notice because it, it was really hard for them to see through their glasses of, you know, the lenses of, hey, dad's spending time with us, right? You know, so it's like, that is mm-hmm. such an important part. And so I'm saying that not to say that you should phone it in with your kids, but I'm saying, hey, like, relieve some of that pressure. Like, like just go ahead and, and let some of that pressure out of the valve and, and understand that your kids are going to be just so thrilled that you're just doing this in the first place. And then from there, whatever you have time for, play with them and, and, and do the best that you can with whatever prep time you do have. And they are going to really appreciate that more than you'll probably ever know. And it's probably going to have a bigger impact on their lives than you will ever know. Well, I would think that you would actually want less prep time with the kids too, because they're not, you know, they don't have years and years of tropes and everything as well. You know, they're going to be so much better at thinking outside of the box for problem solving and just different solutions. Like give a kid an immovable rod and just see what happens. I have literally been in a game with my kids and their friends. Like, so we, you know, have pulled in a lot of their friends uh, to play as well. And my sons have done something that I then use for one of my characters in a streamed game <laughs> because whatever they came up with was such a great idea. And so, you know, I, I think you're right. Like their imagination is just really limitless. And I think that, you know, being able to see that in a way that, um, it, you know, kind of play out before your eyes really is just one of my greatest joys of, of being a dad mm-hmm. is, is being able to see that with, with my kids. And, and you're right. Like, they really do think about the game, especially when they're starting out. And, and by the way, this will go for any new player who, uh, mm-hmm. if it's if it's genuinely a new player who's never been immersed in those tropes uh, and, and some of the, uh, you know, uh, kind of old standbys of the framework of D&D and all that, if, if they're not, you know, tainted and corrupted by that um, yet, like <laughs> those are some of the best games I've ever played or run, like, because they just, they're not institutionalized. Everything mm-hmm. is so much more organic. And, and I love, like, I try to remind veteran players constantly, hey, think about this more like you were a new player from the standpoint of, you know, one of my biggest things in the game, and I'll, I'll normally like say something as long as I know the people I'm playing with do not tell me you know uh when i ask you what what do you do don't tell me i roll i i want to roll an athletics check and uh you know 
do don't don't tell me that like just say i want to push the door open or, or try to brute force the door open or mm-hmm. you know what whatever it is that you're, you're doing and then let me as a dungeon master interpret what you need to roll or, or whatever else and of course that you know a, a lot of people will say that but the thing is is i've never seen that with new players or kids they never approach it in that way and uh like they genuinely think like oh wait I'm going to try to push the door open. How do I do that? You know, it's is typically the question. And, you know, so one of the things that I try to do is once you get those new players in is do your best to steward good habits of role playing and, and mm-hmm. playing the mm-hmm. game, like all the way through where they don't, you know, pick up some of those. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I'm guilty of that too, because I played for 25 plus years. And a lot of times it's, uh, it's easy to just kind of sh- shortcut and uh, say, the, uh, take the quickest path to whatever you're trying to say you're going to do. But, you know, I think that the interaction that happens with kids because they don't have all those trappings uh, really is uh, something to behold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's super awesome. Um, and kind of uh, just jumping off that uh, just to kind of talk a little bit um, just briefly about uh, just characters in general um designing enjoyable characters is is a really interesting thing especially if you think about it from a new new player's perspective um so i just kind of wanted to uh before we we jump into our community content shout out and kind of wrap up a little bit get get your opinion on um especially for new players designing characters tips you would give um as they, they begin their journey, essentially. Yeah, I think the number one is, is lean, lean into it um, with a uh, new player. I mean, it really is our archetypes and tropes that we were just talking about exist for a reason. Um, and, you know, I think that it's fun for us veterans to play against type and, and all of those kind of things. And, and, you know, if you're ready for that as a new player, then by all means do that. That's interesting and fun too. But I think that uh, what I would say is, you know, and I do this all the time. So whatever that thing was that I uh, likened D&D to that finally stuck with them and got the hooks into them. So Harry Potter or the, the Elder Scrolls video game or, you know, whatever it was that mm-hmm. they said, yes, I know that. Then I am typically going to say, you know, what what's your favorite character in that, or what's you know the favorite kind yeah. of character you played in that video game, and whatever that thing is, that level of familiarity is really really important. I remember when I first started playing with that Star Wars Western Games uh, version, I played. Uh, th- this is right around the time uh, Shadows of the Empire, which is old Legends mm-hmm. canon for Star yep. Wars, you know, ha- had come out. Dash Rendar was a big favorite of mine because uh you know he was basically han solo but in my mind mm-hmm. a little cooler um and uh he had less responsibility um at, you know oh, as, yeah. a, <laughs> as, a, as a kid you know? and so like uh so that was the thing that uh, so my first uh, character was Ryder Thorn, and he was a uh, he was a little different because he was a pirate that was turned into a privateer, but virtually in every other way. Oh, and he used a blaster rifle instead of a pistol. <laughs> um, but but it was like it was literally like, hey, here's that template of Han Solo Dash Rendar, that character that I enjoyed so much. 
then I'm going to tweak a little thing here or there because I don't want to mm-hmm. just a complete carbon copy. That is what I would suggest for most new players is find that thing that you really, really like to play. I uh, adore Captain America uh, as a character, especially a lot of his, you know, more recent portrayals in, mm-hmm. in the last, you know, 20 years or so. Um, and, and I think that, you know, with Captain America, that is a type of character that I, uh, if I was a new player, would enjoy trying out as that. And so, you know, as a DM, what we can do to facilitate that is, you know, first of all, find out what they actually enjoy there. And then again, when we're playing with older players, veteran players, um, we are often trying to uh, collaborate with them and like leaning into like, you sure you want to do that? That's been overdone. Like that drow ranger, you, you sure you don't want to do like, we're, we're, we're kind of trying to rail against that a lot of the time. And you got to remember for new players, this is new for them. And so mm-hmm. any of these tropes, any of these things like that, they haven't seen this or experienced this before. So if that is something that they want to do, then you as a DM, even if you have to manufacture it, fake it until you make it, get generate excitement for that and and don't roll your eyes at that drow ranger let them do what they want to do because this is new to them and then once they get that under their belt and once they get some of those obvious choices out of the way that by the way veteran player you got to do you know whenever you started playing yeah. once they get that out <laughs> then you're going to start seeing a lot more uh, of what uh you know you're probably more used to and what you're looking for as a dm that's done this for a long time awesome cool yeah very cool is there any specific kind of player that you tend to uh, kind of be more so than anything else like you just said you you know you very much enjoy captain america is the, are you always like the the lawful good or or the neutral good depending on you know what's going on with the government yeah. <laughs> for captain but that's that's a great question you know what, what i would say is uh and, and this is such a strange thing i i, I think i relate to um, you know, uh, Captain America, and I, I, we were talking beforehand here uh, about Superman a little bit, and uh, you know, I, I'll call them the Paragon uh, personality in, mm-hmm. in the comics world. But uh, I, I really enjoy those kind of characters, especially you know, as as I've gotten older as an adult. Uh, and really, I think that my personality is probably much closer to that. But then when I play these games and there is some psychology going on here, most of the time when I'm actually playing and not dungeon mastering, I am an instigator and a catalyst. So like that, <laughs> that's the thing is that, you know, I've played, uh, you know, that character Briv uh, that's an Idol Champions now and, uh, you know, played him for a couple of years on our D&D Beyond streamed game. And he was just a, a troublemaker. Like the, the whole point was he was kind of patterned after uh, characters like Jane from Firefly or Amos from The Expanse uh, with a little bit of Thor mixed in because I think Thor is an instigator in a, a lot of the, the media, especially like comics Thor. And so I think that, um, you know, that is the kind of character that I played there. And I find myself a lot of the time playing characters who are probably not like I actually am in real life uh, because uh, I, I think there are maybe times in my life today where I uh, do work so hard to maintain a, a, a layer of kindness and what mm-hmm. I'm trying to do. And a lot of times those gloves come off when I'm playing characters. So, uh, so I think that that's, uh, uh, that, that's again, another great way for uh, a little bit of escapism and, and everything else to enter into these games we play. So yeah, I think most of my characters are instigators and I think uh, that, that I end up playing. 
And I think that, um, you know, the, the other thing that I will say about, so a lot of times chaotic good um, mm-hmm. is, is, is what, you know, that ends up being, which is of course, easily the most popular alignment of anybody playing yeah. because, you know, people think that they can just get away with anything. And, and so most <laughs> of the time, those, those are the uh, kinds of characters uh, that, that I end up playing for sure. Very ah. cool. That's super fun. I, I totally, I totally agree. It, when I started playing, it was one of those, I played, I just played a straight on fighter, just real generic as I was, <laughs> as I was kind of learning. And then you just lean into, I've, I've got a, uh, a minotaur that's super um, stoic, not yeah. like, dumb, not dumb in any ways, but just straightforward will always speak, speak his mind which is totally <laughs> not not necessarily the the type of like deadpan like this is how the how it is and this is how it's going to be type thing but it, it is really fun to eventually learn to play against type because like you said it's role playing and so it's it's one of those things you can experience these other personalities these other you know ways of being even if it's not you because it, it's fun it's fun to, to experiment and to, to try different things and, and to play different ways. So Yeah, I, I think I'll also say that, you know, when, when I'm thinking about the different uh, characters I've played over the years, and, you know, I, I don't even know how many uh, at this point uh, it has been, but one thing that really is a constant for any of them, uh, and, and I, I do think that this is one of my pet peeves in, in my real life. So this just kind of r- r- is a mainstay is that uh, they can't stand uh, bullies. And I think that that's mm-hmm. one reason that Captain America resonates with me a lot, you know, and, and all that too. But it's like, so, so it's like, no matter how chaotic they are or, uh, you know, possibly against uh, type in, in some ways there, uh, because again, I'm playing Green Lantern, Hal Jordan right now, and he's just irreverent, you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, all these other things. But like, again, I, I kind of infuse that thing. So if I see any bullying going on, I have just completely, uh, you know, a disproportionate response to that anytime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter which character that is. And so I'm actually uh, go- going to end up, um, uh, you know, we're doing some uh, Cortex stream uh, games at this point in time. And so I'm playing a character yet again, that's an instigator. Uh, his uh, call sign is Haymaker for our Hammerheads game. And uh, one of the uh, characters, we're about to uh, go into a different Cortex game because that's the, the system's very flexible. And so we're going to you know, showcase a lot of different kind of games. But one of the uh, games we're going into is called the Eidolon Alpha. And it's kind of a Greco-Roman uh, mythic uh, kind of setting where, uh, you know, you can summon these uh, giant uh, monstrous creatures to fight for you and that kind of thing. And the character that I'm playing there is actually not... Uh, like doesn't have a lot of backbone and it's actually going to be you know, that's going to be incredibly against type for me. And so like, I'm going to do my best to just zip my lips, you know, when, when I ordinarily would be like, you just did, you just said what, you know, and I'm like, (laughs) throw, throw, throw down with them uh, because they were hurting somebody. So I'm, I'm going to see how that goes. And uh, hopefully I won't just completely break that character because some uh, (laughs) fictitious make believe uh, situation uh, makes me. Oh, that's a great, it's, it's always, it's always fun to see how things evolve character wise and what they end up being, even if you mean to play a certain way and you end up doing other things. So that's, that's super fun. Well, awesome. Uh, 
Thank you, Adam, for all the, the awesome tips. Um, we're going to start our, our wrap up a little bit. Um, when it, really quickly, there's, there's two things I wanted to talk about for our kind of community content. Candlekeep Mysteries was mm -hmm. just announced. Super, super cool. So this is the Wizards of the Coast next official book. Um, and it's kind of an anthology of several different uh, like mini mini campaigns, mini scenarios. Uh, and it's designed by a ton of different writers. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is actually going to be, I think, really cool. Even if you're not a person that likes pre-made adventures, I think this will be a book that you'll be able to pull from and pick and choose, perhaps even reskin and drop them into a one shot, a current campaign, current scenarios. So that's, that's coming uh, pretty soon, March, I believe. Uh, and it's on D&D Beyond a pre-order. It so. definitely is. <laughs> so that's, that's a super cool thing. And then the other big community thing, um, for those who, who don't know, uh, MCDM Productions, uh, Matt Coville. Uh, Matt's been around the D&D tabletop video game area for a really long time, has his own production company now. And one of the cool things that they just recently dropped is a new D&D 5e magazine called Arcadia. And this is kind of almost a, a throwback to the the D&D magazines of old, uh, it's, it's super cool. It's incredibly high quality. Um, they're going to be doing three issues initially, and it's going to have different writers. It's going to have different content. Uh, the first issue has four articles. It's got a brand new uh, adventure, little mini adventure for fifth level characters. It's got a brand new sorcerer subclass, uh, expanded and fleshed out mounts and mounted combat rules, and some epic level celestials and my goodness, some gorgeous art. Like they, they, they probably, they must've spent like half the budget of this thing on art because Holy crap, it's, it is beautiful. Um, so I, I, I know both of you have, have gotten a look. Is this, is this something that you really liked? Is this something you'd like to see more of? Oh, I didn't know if I could, if I was supposed to jump in on this. Oh part. yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Anything go ahead. To talk about definitely. I probably would have already uh, interrupted you, but, but no, <laughs> like, yeah, like um, the, uh, yeah. So, so taking candle keep mysteries first uh, again, especially with the theme of new players and especially new DMS, this is tailor made for a new DM. This is really um, about as close as wizards of the coast has ever come to uh, you know some kind of training wheels um, for how to run an adventure, and so I think that you know they're so bite-sized, uh, easy to digest. There's so little um, expectation uh, as far as like the length of time that you're going to run mm -hmm. it. So it's like these are intended to be a session or two, and you know that kind of thing uh, hopefully can remove some of that overwhelm. Uh, overwhelming feeling that people who are, are really trying to get into it. And so for D&D Beyond on our side, we're really going to be focusing on trying to take that content and provide some additional editorial content and advice uh, content that is centered around the new DM experience and how Candlekeep Mysteries can really kind of kind of help with that. And so again, I'm, I'm very excited about that book for a variety of reasons. And I think 
uh, th this is another really interesting, uh, just kind of cyclical thing that, uh, again, I, I haven't specifically talked to Jeremy uh, Crawford about this uh, so uh, or, or Chris Perkins about this. So I don't know if this was their inspiration, uh, you know, beyond any doubt, but I would be willing to bet that this was like, hey, in Elder Scrolls, which came about because of Dungeons and Dragons, mm -hmm. in Elder Scrolls, you can pick up books that will start quests for you sometimes, you know, <laughs> and it, it's like this interesting full circle kind of thing where, you know, you pick up a book, you, you get a quest, you, you can go and do that. And it, it's really just kind of bite sized. So I, I think it's going to be a fantastic uh, product and uh, really, really welcome for a lot of DMs out there. And, uh, you know, I think it was very unexpected when they announced that mm -hmm. uh, in, in the, the space. So very excited to see what's going to happen there. So yeah, Ben, you got anything on that one before I move on to Arcadia? I'm I'm just super excited to see all the different kind of quests built out by so many different people. I mean, having a lot of different voices into questing material, I think really gives a, a good perspective on just different abilities, different types of gameplay and just, you know, overall is, is a, a positive way to look at D and D's for everybody. There's always some sort of game type or game type, game type or style uh, that anybody wants to jump into. Yeah, creative melting pot. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah it, it's going to be uh, you know really really flexible and you know lots of level ranges covered. So so yeah, I think I think one through sixteen. That's yeah. what I was super excited about because we don't get a lot of official content for those upper tiers. Yeah. And so seeing that it went all the way to 16 is that's really cool. That would be awesome to pull that for a one or two session, like one shot type thing, but everyone gets to play higher level stuff because you just don't get to do that much. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's going to be really, uh, really special. Um, yeah. With, with Arcadia. Um, I, I think uh, so. Uh, Matt uh, is one of those uh, folks that I will never forget the the day that I met him. He came to one of our uh, kickoff parties for, uh, I guess it it's called D&D Live now, but I think at the time it was like the stream of annihilation, uh, you know, was a, a few years ago, but mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, Curse was hosting the kickoff party at this really cool tavern in Seattle um, that our event coordinator at the time found it was just a super cool play. And Matt walks in and like at any of those places, it is far too loud for old people like me. Uh, and so, you know, music <laughs> loud, can't hear anything. And Matt uh, Colville and I just like screamed at each other for seriously an hour, over an hour, like talking about <laughs> so many things. It was like just finding a kindred spirit, like, you know, immediately and everything. So he, he is just, uh, he, he's such a sharp guy and he's really done a lot in the space uh, to, to make it uh, better. And I love seeing people do that. And so I think that, um, you know, Arcadia, the best part of the third edition of Dungeons and Dragons were, were Dragon and uh, Dungeon Magazine. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they really were. Like, they were the highlight of my month back uh, in, in those days. Um, I actually worked at a Books a Million when uh, third edition was uh, just coming out. And uh, so I spent way too much time when I should have been working uh, just reading, <laughs> uh, you know, all, uh, all that was going on in the magazines and everything else. And, um, and so we got free magazines every month by working there. 
and uh, I actually talked to my boss and let me get two free ones. So I got tracking and touching every, cause I was a college student. I had no money. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was uh dragon and dungeon were just so uh, epic, uh, you know, for that time. And there really has been a, a big void in my mind uh, ever since then, you know, uh, of really great content all in one place. And so I think that what they're doing with Arcadia uh, really is a great step. And this first issue uh, really nails the landing. And I think that, you know, it, it would not surprise me at all. And again, th- this is not insider info would not surprise me at all. If we have more than three issues of that, because uh, you know, I think, uh, I think it's showing people what's uh, possible and what they're seeing is something that they really like. Yeah. The response seems to have been very, very positive. And I, I know Ben, you got to look at it a little bit. Yeah. Is this, is this something that you would get? Oh yeah. Today is the first day I've seen any of this and it's, it looks gorgeous. It, and just looking at some of the stuff that's actually in here, um, like the, uh, what was it? The, the mount of combat looks really neat. The fact that there's mount versions for things, there's different, I, I mean, uh, a sorcerer subclass like, like we talked about. I mean, I'm all for anything new, anything extra, anything that lets you customize even more. So yeah, I'm probably going to be jumping in on this. Yeah, and we will have a link in the show notes to the MCDM store or the Patreon where you can get those issues as well as the official page for Candlekeep Mysteries. Um, so you mm-hmm. can check that out. Um, all right. So Adam, this is the part where you get to shout out all your stuff, all your socials, any projects, any links, any contact stuff, um, that you want to, to get out there for people who want to follow what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll be brief, uh, because I actually haven't eaten all day. That, that, that's my Ooh. day of meetings. Uh, so I'm about to head, <laughs> head, head to eat, uh, find some kind of food somewhere. Well, we but appreciate I, you. Uh, yeah, no, no, that. not a problem. This is, it happens more than, uh, you would imagine. Uh, and especially, uh, these days I'm trying to get in a little bit better health and eat, uh, eat less, uh, bad snack food like during the day. So I'm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, but, but anyway, yeah, uh, neither here nor there. Uh, but I am, uh, you can find me on Twitter is where I hang out most of the time, because to be honest, uh, it's the shortest uh, thing for me to read. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's uh, better for my time management. Uh, so yeah, Twitter at bad eye Adam, uh, you can find me there. I am of course on uh, D and D beyond uh, have a dev update uh, Thursdays for D and D beyond. So you can uh, come hang out with me there. I play in a variety of stream games uh, for D and D no regular ones yet, but we're going to announce a few uh, pretty soon uh, that, that I'll be kind of returning on uh, for some of that. And then I'm also streaming with uh, cortex now. And, you know, that's something I'd love to talk about. Uh, you know, at some point, some of what's going on with Cortex, but uh, playing uh, in, uh, we have a dev update for that on Wednesdays. And then we also have a live play that shows people how to play Cortex on Thursday afternoons, uh, US time. And so uh, that is uh, a ton of streaming that I'm doing on a weekly basis now. And I think uh, the other thing that I'll call out because uh, I'm getting ready to film some music videos, but uh, I have recorded all of the songs now for uh, actually a Coldplay parody rock opera um, that (laughs) that is called Bard Play a head full of backstory <laughs> and it is going to, it's 12 whole songs 
uh, with, uh, with also some connective acting tissue in between them, um, you know, where that is telling the story of a uh, player. Uh, the, the, the whole thing starts out with a TPK and <laughs> then the DM decides to start a new campaign, but all of the characters are going to start out at 10th level. And this sends the player into a spiral thinking that if they're already 10th level, there has to be an explanation for how they got there. And the player has to come up with a backstory since he doesn't have the, the table experience to, to make up what that backstory is. So he's, he's got to come up with it himself or otherwise, you know, he's going to be paralyzed and can't play that character. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, full on, like, uh, you know, fix you as heal you now. And it, uh, you know, and it does, it tells a story all the way through, uh, through, through 12 different Coldplay songs. Um, So uh, we've got some great partners uh, working with me on that. Uh, Dwarven Forge is supplying some amazing terrain. So we're going to be trying to pull off some trickery where I'm placing myself down into uh, like miniature format, uh, Hero, Hero Forge has worked with us. You can't see it uh, on here, but Hero Forge, uh, I've got actual, uh, you know, miniatures uh, that are modeled after me and uh, some of the other characters that are going to be in this. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a, a very fun time. And I think it's going to be, uh, I, I can say this is going to be pretty unique. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. <laughs> that sounds so amazing. That, that awesome. will be coming out a little later this year uh, and, and working on filming those videos now. Oh my gosh. We'll certainly be looking forward to that one. Cause the, uh, the other one you did with the, in D and D beyond that, the Hamilton yeah. uh, parody was, was, was super, super fun to watch. Yeah. This is uh this bard play uh, cold play uh, parody is definitely uh, you know, what happens with escalation. So let's, let's do <laughs> bigger and better. Um, Very cool. As always, uh, before before we end off, we usually take a minute or two and talk about what we've been doing in our games the last week or two. Adam, you're welcome to join if you would like to. Uh, if you have any like fun anecdote or any fun stories of any recent sessions uh, that you th- would be fun to share, I, I I can definitely do that. I've been playing a lot uh, these last <laughs> three weeks. So, yeah. <laughs> um, So uh, for me, this last week, uh, just started back into my campaign, my campaigns for the year. My first campaign IDM is playing this Friday, and it's a city siege. It's going to be lots of fun. It's probably going to be multiple sessions. We'll see if they can uh, survive the dark god that is uh, having, making real bad times for for this city. My other one was uh, kind of a a more subdued session uh, after uh, a really big like mini arc. Uh, it's, it's a mercenary campaign. So they basically have been going from job to job to, to do stuff. And they had a little bit of downtime, they got paid. And it's, it's been really fun seeing them role play along the way. And uh, cause several of these people have never played D and D before. Um, so it's been really fun kind of developing and seeing their characters develop and seeing them develop relationships with the NPC. They had to rescue this really bratty noble kid uh, who was just super <laughs> pompous at the beginning. And over, over time, over the last several sessions, because of the things that have happened and the things he's seen them do, he's become a lot more subdued and has become almost kind of reliant on him. And now his dad has come to pick him back up. And his dad, of course, is, 
incredibly pompous and arrogant at the same time. It's like, Oh, you wonder where he got it from. And so now he's seeing that from his perspective and the other characters are kind of sympathizing with him a little bit because his uncle who was with them died along the way. And he wants to try and get him resurrected when they go to the, the capital city. And his father's just like, no, it's not, not worth it. He got himself killed. And so it's been fun seeing the party kind of shift from the, kind of scaring him, kind of making fun of him, being annoyed by him to almost sympathizing with him in this way. So having, seeing that, it was, it was, it's been really cool to kind of see that, that interaction, that, that dialogue. They went shopping, they found, <laughs> they found some stuff to do with their, their new money. And they're, they're heading off to the big city life to do a special, special job for the, one of the high ups in their, in their order. And, I've been having a lot of fun with my ranger who uh, one of the early arcs, uh, they basically broke the lab of a green dragon and our archer, our ranger picked up a quiver uh, in that lab and his last session found out that it is not quite what it appeared originally uh, and it's mutating her in some ways uh, <laughs> okay. she can't she can't go more than 15 feet away from it now without uh without getting super sick uh her blood has is now poisonous and acidic and uh her eyes turn green so it's it's been it was so fun just watching the face as i kind of narrated that in the morning when when her character woke up and it just it was such a joy for me I, I think that she's probably wondering what's going on and I know, but I'm not going to say anything because some of them listen, but it's, 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 that's going to be a, a fun kind of story. And our, our wizard who, who's um, my wife plays our wizard. She's trying to figure out what's going on because the, the item itself is not that magical. And so something, something else is going on. So that's it. That adds a, a fun little element to it. So I'm, I'm excited to, to keep that going. Uh, ben, what about you? You've got you've got some craziness going too. Well, um, this was the first session of, of my uh, game as well, um, and so they uh, got into the the you know secret teleportation circle in the the basement of the temple that's all, on now being all corrupted and everything by this demigod that's being uh, resummoned back to the material plane. And uh, they've kind of just worked their way going up and they're finding all of these aberrations that are just, you know, total body horror, scary things. And uh, they're all wearing like remnants and, and strips of cloth from, you know, what the, the priest regalia for the most part was. So they're uh, just kind of realizing, oh, there's, there's stuff going on. As they're going through, they're noticing that the, the textures on the walls are not like the... The, because this was the city that was made by the silver dragon, so everything was made from cloud. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not really all nice and white and everything anymore. It's like starting to have like obsidian mixed in with it. And mm. um, as they're kind of going through, they found this uh, the side room that had uh, you know like a mini library. They opened up the books, but all the writing and everything on it was just kind of gibberish at this point because this pulse has been going through the city, just kind of slowly changing things. So. They work their way through, and I gotta tell you, Ryan, you know my woes about how I'm horrible at tuning combat. Well, 
we are finally at a point where they are taking damage and it's actually like fit like yeah, really good on both sides so <laughs> uh we've had like two really good combats what, what, what level uh they're level nine right now okay. i've yeah i've just been horrible hor like yeah i've never well, been balance, able to I mean, balance is hard balance it, is yeah hard. It, it's it's not in, it's not science uh for for sure like and, mm-hmm. and so f- finding the art behind that is uh you know uh, another one of those things that we need to teach new dms <laughs> and old exactly. dms uh you know like <laughs> yeah i mean i i can't do it either and uh, i i actually heard you know he would probably get really upset if i uh shared this but i'm just gonna go ahead and do it anyway but i because uh, he did it in a public forum so uh, i was at a panel uh working uh like i did a panel with chris perkins um when dnd beyond uh, just after had been announced and he was talking about dming and he was pretty much talking about that during combat that I mean, he, he was, you know, a little more verbose and like uh, elaborated much more, but pretty much he was getting down to like, I just make stuff up like on the fly. <laughs> and the way that I do that is I raise hit points or I lower hit points is like the easiest way mm-hmm. to like tune combat in the middle of the combat, because he said, you don't want to make it to where everything hits all the time. Like he he said that the way that you change the difficulties is uh, changing those hit points up and down uh, because like, you know, doing anything else is going to really, really seem uh, very kind of gotcha to the Mm -hmm. players. Right. And stuff. And so, so anyway, he he was just talking about that basically balance is an incredibly hard thing that even he uh, has a lot of problems with and that DMS need to just kind of embrace that uh, it's it's not incredibly scientific and you know uh, again thinking about rule zero as the grounding point and then try to go from there. But it sounds like you know what what you're sharing right there it's uh, it's starting to feel right. That's great. Oh yeah, I hit like the sweet spots after two uh, combats. The our you know paladin who's got a twenty AC because of you know heavy armor and a shield. Um, she actually took a, a bunch of damage thanks to you know some of the the aberrations and, and stuff that that I had attacking and you know thanks for multi attack and I happened to roll really well this last session so that helped out a bunch too. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's great. They're they're working their way up. I was hoping they would they would get to one more room by the end of the session because after that is the end point of this first arc. They didn't get there. So, okay, whatever. Next time. Exactly, next time. next time. But the best part is, so we're playing again on Saturday. I scrapped the entire plan that I had because they didn't get there. I've redone the, that first room beforehand to, to the end point and actually made it 10 times better than what they would have found. So I'm actually really glad about that. Um, And we'll see what happens after the next session. I'm, I'm rooting for them. I, I hope there's no TPK in there, but I mean, it's a demigod that created the world. So who knows what's going to happen? We'll see what they do. Yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely found that most of the time when I prepare something, I find that my players don't get through everything I've prepared. Definitely. Which is not a bad thing, because usually, usually that means that other good stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everybody had a ton of fun with it, and they had no idea what my expectations were to begin with. So, doesn't matter. All worked yeah. out. As long as everyone's having fun, you're you're winning. Yeah. All right, Adam, you've got yeah. you've got a lot of content to choose from. Yeah, I, I, I do. Cool. Like I, I played in. Let's see, in the last. Uh, 
five days or so, I played in at least three games, maybe four. Um, I saw you posted about your Justice League one. Yeah, yeah, the, the Justice League. We, we can definitely take that. I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that is really interesting, and, and I get asked this question a good bit, and sometimes streamers will just kind of feed you a load of bollocks about this, but like I'll just kind of be very straightforward. And uh, th- there is absolutely a difference between streaming a game and playing a, a game at mm-hmm. your home. Like, even, uh, you know, Critical Role, I think uh, one of the reasons they're as successful as they are uh, is because I, th- I think that they do probably one of the better jobs of kind of blending that. Uh, but yeah. I, I think that, you know, one of the things th- that's not necessarily an all bad thing because with the uh you know one of the games that i played was a stream game for cortex um but then uh two of the other games were uh home games and what's interesting is in one of those home game or you know obviously remote nowadays but uh, Mm -hmm. in that remote game what is happening is uh you know the people that are there are all streamers uh, but we're not streaming that game and and it really let me kind of think through how streaming has changed the way that a lot of groups play, but then especially for all of us who do a lot of these streamed games, uh, like how it's changed, even what we would call a home game at this point. And I think that um, as we move forward in the space again, sorry, you know, this is the futurist in me talking, but like, (laughs) I think that, uh, you know, we're really going to see an impact on both sides of that, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we kind of have the power to steer that in positive directions or, you know, we can let it play out in negative ways. But, but I think that the positive is that, you know, for instance, combat with these streamers is so snappy, like even in the home game. And, and a lot of that is, is it's not knowing the rules more or anything like that, but it's just your condition that you're trying to squeeze something into an hour or two uh, when, when you're playing uh, it, it, it produces something different. And then I think the biggest part of that is that you've got DMs who are prepping for that shortened time window. And so I almost liken it to uh, Overwatch, uh, where like mm-hmm. a lot of Overwatch's appeal, when it, especially when it first came out, was, hey, I don't have time to dive into, you know, 90 minutes of Call of Duty, you know, and, and do this. I'm going to play Overwatch because I can like play a match for 15 to 20 minutes and I'm done. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I can be out if I want to be. And so I think, again, there are pros and cons to that. I want to be really clear. So in our... Uh, non-streamed game with the streamers <laughs> where we're playing uh, 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 Justice League. And so we've got, uh, you know, this situation, I- I'm playing Green Lantern. Uh, you know, I-, I won't uh, call out all the other names of the folks. You can say all that on Twitter if you want to, but, but basically uh, we've got uh, Vixen in the group. We've got um, Black Canary in the group. We have Superman in the group. Now, Superman with fifth edition, he's like a super, super depowered Superman, but, uh, but either way, uh, he, he's got, you know, kryptonite poisoning or something, but, but we're, uh, we're playing uh, with these characters that we spent a lot of time uh, trying to capture. And so with Hal Jordan, if anybody's interested out there, I've built him as a warlock and, uh, and he's got, uh, you know, warlock uh, talisman warlock because his ring is the talisman mm-hmm. in this case and um and so that ring is basically like this hodgepodge of uh kind of like a uh, staff of the arch magi um like in the ring and uh so it it actually recreates all of the powers pretty well now we're 17th level so it's a 17th <laughs> level warlock um you know to try to capture that justice league power 
and uh and ultimately uh what we've been playing through so far is you know a couple of sessions ago uh i figured out that uh ion which is the entity of willpower uh in the comics that's basically like all the different colored lanterns have an entity mm-hmm. that represents and so um ion has gotten loose somehow and nobody knows where it is and apparently all the other emotionals uh, have also lost their entity. And then we ended up <laughs> fighting the butcher, which is the red lantern rage mm. um, emotion. And so we did that a couple of sessions ago. Well, then this one, we went to an abandoned warehouse because we found out that Argus is behind all this. So we went to this abandoned warehouse and um, as we're in the abandoned warehouse, one of the metal men attack us. Now in this universe, we're like new justice leaguers. So we don't even know who the metal men are. And so we're like, you know, attacking the, the uh, metal man and uh, uh, it was Mercury. And, and so we're like doing all of this and basically how um, at, at one point in time, I have reskinned a, um, what is it called? Of the depths, uh, fathomless, fathomless mm. warlock uh, that has like the tentacle, uh, tentacle that it can summon. Yeah. I've reskinned that into a um, pact of the guardians and it's basically like instead of tentacles and that kind of thing, it's like hard light constructs. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can summon those like a, a, as they're coming in. And uh, so this time uh, I always like all the, uh, the DM is constantly wondering what on earth I'm going to say these constructs. <laughs> look like. So th- This time, like what started out with is it was a ball, um, you know, metal ball that like starts pulling debris to itself and um and so i I formed two tennis rackets and so these tennis (laughs) rackets are like slamming into the ball and then uh i eldritch blast as i that's a bonus action to do the hard lock constructs and so i eldritch blast into like a tennis ball shooter and i'm like like shooting like hard light green (laughs) tennis balls at uh at at this debris you know monster and uh and so ultimately i I think the highlight was uh, i hit with all four of the eldritch blast at one point and didn't even critical hit and still uh, rolled like 58 damage oh, uh, man. And, uh, and it was like just a huge mass without any critical hits you know and uh and everybody was like what did you know like, just high level warlock that's what that's what it is you know um so uh so yeah that's uh that was probably the highlight of this week but lots and lots to choose from and i think that uh you know uh, again getting back to that streaming part of that i think that uh, there, there's a lot that can be learned on both sides of those different kinds of games. Mm-hmm. And hopefully as we go forward, everybody can kind of take those lessons to heart. And what a creative character for like a, an example of skinning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like green, green lantern. And, and again, like just so much of the, uh, that staff, the uh, arch magi and a lot of the spells. So it's like, I have just uh, renamed because indeed they beyond you can customize mm-hmm. names for spells oh, yeah. and everything. So I've like done the whole full thing. And, and so basically going into there, you can um, see that like, you know, Eldritch Blast is energy blast now. And uh, so changed out some of the spells on the staff. So it's like, you know, things like identify where the ring scanning things and it knows what it is, you know? So there are just so many ways that you could try to capture it. And that, that is the thing I, I do my best with these games because we've also done uh, with this same group, we've done a uh, Marvel game where I played Captain America and I've got a great adaptation of Captain America that I put together because 
Cap is more normal than a lot of uh, characters. And so, you know, uh, able to do, pull that off with a Battlemaster fighter. And it just really, really worked very, very well. Um, and uh, especially with some of the new maneuvers and Tasha's with, uh, you know, being able to uh, enhance your persuasion and, and, and those kind of things. Uh, but uh, uh, played Cap for a little while there in, in that game. And uh, then we also did like a uh, Gotham uh, based uh, campaign that wasn't like gods like the Justice League. And in that one, uh, because I love telekinetics, uh, telekinesis is my favorite superpower. If you ask me that question, everybody always says fly. Well, it's a or, good one though. You know, whatever telekinesis is by far my favorite, right? So um, I've got it on my shelf back here, but there's an X-Man. Let's see right over here. Yeah, right there. Uh, X-Man's one of my favorite characters uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the Marvel comics, but, but either way. Um, so like I'm wanted to play a telekinetic in DC and there actually aren't that many to choose from unless you go with somebody like Martian Manhunter, which, you know, yeah. is way more powerful than what we're doing. So I talked him into, because we had just gotten this, solicitation that um grifter from the wildstorm universe was going to be coming into batman uh in like two months time and i talked to him into letting me play grifter <laughs> uh, a t- telekinetic gunslinger you know and so it was just like uh that that was a ton of fun as well but uh but yeah uh that that group and and those games really create a ton of skinning and so we're just constantly going through you know how can we uh, and, and trust me i know that superheroes don't work great with fifth edition uh and that's kind of not the point it's almost like we want the challenge of seeing how to adapt and interpret those characters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh you know through that lens and then one other thing this could have gone in my projects things but but i have been working for about two years on a spiritual successor for d20 modern from third edition and um we're getting to a point where you like play testing is probably coming uh you know pretty soon and i think that you know the route i'm wanting to go with that is i want to want to create a modern based uh kind of core that i will then eventually because it'll be all my worlds colliding come up with an actual fifth edition superhero uh you know supplement that really really treats it very intentionally and uh you know the the biggest thing is my time and whether i get mm-hmm. to it or not but but yeah the, these games have really taught us a lot about all of that and it's uh it really is a ton of fun to uh to try to see the flexibility of the system or at least trying to ham fist some of the things yeah. to capture the feel and you know if you can do something like green lantern or grifter or captain america you know using the system uh, then, you know, a lot of the other concepts that players want to pull off, they can absolutely pull them off. Uh, that's, that's super cool. I would definitely play a 5e-based superhero system because like a lot of us, we only have so much time. So if we can find mm-hmm. something that fits in the system you know with just minor things, then it works out well and you can, get, you can kind of branch out a little bit with groups and stuff so definitely thank you thank you for sharing that adam that's super awesome be looking forward to that at at some point in the future um all right well everyone that is that is it for our episode adam again thank you so much so Uh, much an absolute pleasure to chat with you and learn from you and uh just kind of get uh get a grasp on a, a lot of the stuff that you really care about so we really appreciate that yeah thank you for having me all right ben 
Close us off. Why don't you run through where we can be reached real quick? All right. Um, so if you have a, a nice long form uh, question, comment, uh, discussion that you want to bring up or anything, you can always email us. Send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, of course, if you want a more immediate answer and it can fit within 280 characters, Discussions on Twitter is definitely the way to go. Uh, now, Ryan, if they're looking for you specifically, where is the best place? Uh, that would be Twitter, and you can find me at TBKZord. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well. I am at Ben Bumhoffer. Uh, now, of course, uh, this is not the first episode of Dean Discussions that has ever been recorded. If it was, real great get for the first episode. <laughs> but um, if you want to listen to any of the other ones, you can always check us out on uh, dndiscussions.com as well as on Google, iTunes, Spotify, you know, wherever you're looking, we're there. Um, and of course, if you want to hear uh, Ryan and I kind of put our dice where our mouth is, uh, make sure to check out Plus 5 to Hit. That's the uh, ongoing campaign that we have that is uh, out in podcast form as well. Uh, in fact, we have a new episode coming out, I think, later this... Oh, wait, no, this... Okay, this episode of Dean Discussion is coming out in, like, another week, so there should be a new episode out of Plus 5 to Hits. Yes, soon. On the feed. Check it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And until next time, take care. Yeah. And don't forget, be good to each other. <laughs>